You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. If you go with me to Titus, you might not know where Titus is, but Titus, he's tight. Nah, just throw that in there, make you laugh. But Titus, dad joke, sorry. Sorry, all you young people, that's all I got, a bunch of dad jokes. Um, Titus chapter 3, we're going to start reading there in verse 1. Actually, no, we're going to start reading in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says this, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. I, man, that's what I love about our Father. He, Jesus when he died, it says in Romans, he didn't just cancel out sin and make it equal. He said where sin abounded, when there was so much sin, he said his grace abounded even more. He, 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 he totally wiped it out. All the sins that had ever been committed, all the sins that were being committed, and all the sins that were ever going to be committed. And he didn't equal it out. He overwhelmed it. It wasn't like, oh, he just barely got us a victory. No, it was, a, it was a, a massive, overwhelming victory over sin. And he did that for everyone that would believe it. You know, God, God said, man, I, he said, I desire that all come to the knowledge of me, all, everyone. And then he gives us a job to tell people about it. But one of the things that limits our, our testimony about God is this holiness issue. That's why I've been talking about it for so long, because it's so vital that we live apart from the world. Not apart in that we don't, we don't do business and we don't go to work and we don't talk to people or we shun people like some religious people will want to do. That's not how God said to do it at all. He, matter of fact, he said, we read last week, as we mix with unbelievers, that we're supposed to be a light to them, right? And so, you know, this word holy means to be set apart, to be different, to be... To, to, to have a desire to be more like God than this world. And he, he equips us to do these things. And so he says, the same grace that saved us, the unmerited favor and the power of God that comes in our lives to save us, he says this, verse 12, this same grace teaches us, everybody say teaches. Teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. God uses two words, ungodliness and indulgent lifestyle. So he deals with the root and the fruit of evil in our lives, sin in our lives. He says, I want to cut it off at the root, ungodliness, and then I want to cut off the day-to-day fruit of it. I want to cut both of those things off. And he said, I give you the, the ability. His grace is his power. His power to do what? To be saved, to overcome this world, to believe, to have faith, to love. It's his unmerited favor in our lives. And he gives us the ability, he said, not only to be saved and believe in Jesus, but he also gives us the ability to turn our backs on evil, on ungodliness and ungodly habits. You know, most of you know my testimony. For those who don't, whether online or here, um, man, you know, I lived in the world. I'll just make it simple. I lived in the world hardcore. When I got, when I, when I received Jesus Christ as the Lord, I turned and I lived for Jesus hardcore. And so I had a passion to live in the world, and God gave me that gift, but it wasn't to live in the world. He gave me the gift of passion to live for him. 
But I had a choice. I could either use it to live in the world and drag people that direction, uh, or I can live for him and encourage people to come to, to, to know him as well, to be saved as well. But I had a choice to make. I had a decision to make. But when I received Jesus Christ as the Lord, he not only gave me the power to be saved, and he saved my life by his, by his Holy Spirit, his grace, but he also gave me the ability to start turning my back on all the junk I'd gotten in the habit of doing. I had, you know, just about every bad habit you could think of. And, and so, uh, you know, no one can tell me that God doesn't, you know, I've had people tell me I can't, I can't quit, I can't do this. I'm like, that's not true. The same Jesus that saved your life can, can help you quit that too. He just said it. The same power that saved you is the same power that will help you turn your back on ungodliness and bad habits and help you to live right. There is no I can't. Have you anybody ever had, had someone tell you that? I just can't quit. I can't quit doing this. I can't quit doing that. Man, that's a, you know, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God's saying right here, you can you can quit. You can turn your back. He will help you. That's the one thing I love about God. Well, one of the many things is that he, he takes us through this process. You know, and he, he just he leads us in this process of making our lives holy and purifying our lives. Matter of fact, he goes on to talk about that, and he says this. He says, um, and it equips us. So it not only, he not only, his grace not only saves us, but it also, his power equips uh, 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 to turn our backs on, uh, saves us, and then help, equips us to turn our backs on God, ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. It also equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. So when people say, man, I just can't do it now, I just can't, and I, I, this, there's too much pressure, there's too much this, God says, hold on a second, I've, I've equipped you, I've given you the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. He said, that's alive in you. He said, it's alive in you. The Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you and me. And that, if it's, if it's powerful enough to overcome sin and death, then it's more than powerful enough to help you turn your back on ungodliness and bad habits. And, you know, God, there's a principle that you'll learn as you hang around God. He doesn't just deliver you from one thing and shift you into neutral. He delivers you from reverse and shifts you into overdrive. He puts you in fifth gear. I mean, he, he doesn't want to just deliver you from this and say, well, good, now your life, just don't do nothing. You know, you don't do bad things, but you do nothing else to do. No, he said, you don't do, you don't do these things anymore, these evil things. Now I'm going to open up the world to you and let you see how many great things you get to do. One, one great example is he'll deliver you from lying and he'll turn you on to the blessings of living in the truth. See, lies destroy relationships and violate trust. Truth builds relationships, builds relationships, and solidifies and earns trust. I don't know about you, but I want trusting, live, good relationships, healthy relationships. That's built on truth. It's built on truth about who Jesus is first, and then it's built on truth about who we are and how we're to handle uh, our lives and, and not lie to people but tell people the truth. See, God delivers you from lies, but then he, he delivers you over to the truth. 
It takes away the curse and turns you on to a blessing. He does that time and time and time again if you'll allow him to. And he said, if you know him, then he's empowered you to be able to do that, that you can live a lifestyle equipped uh, with self-control. Self-control. You know, there's a process that God wants to take us all through. You know, when we first had our first child, our first baby, we didn't uh, bring him home from the hospital, put some clothes in his drawer, and say, hey, tomorrow we want you up, showered, and dressed. You know, a newborn baby can't get up and hopefully can't get up and shower and get dressed. If they are, they're pretty brilliant. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, it's, they can't do that. So guess what? You have to bathe them. You have to feed them. You have to dress them. And then you have to teach them as they get older how to dress. Now, I had five sons. They dress really sharp now, but man, oh, man, oh, man. They were all boy. One of my sons, I won't name him, but he knows who he is. One, well, two of them. One of them didn't want to wear any clothing. He, he wanted to be a nudist. I'll never forget the day we lived out on the Clovis Highway, and we lived in this trailer back behind this truck, this trucking company, and they had corrals out in front of our house, and they had horses in there, and these cowboys would come ride and work these horses. And one day, my wife heard a knock on the door, and this cowboy was at the door, and he said, Excuse me, ma'am. Um, I think I ought to tell you this. She's like, what? She goes, your son is out here sitting on top of that pole and pointed, and he's on top of this, this pipe fence, stock naked. <laughs> and he said, I'm really concerned about him. I, I don't want him to get sunburned in all the wrong places. <laughs> and this one particular child, we'd get him dressed, and he'd walk out. I mean, even for church, I don't know how many times Julie would get to church and she'd say, okay, let's get out. You know, she's trying to get all these boys dressed, you know, and all five of them. And this one would say, uh, mom, I don't have my shoes and socks on. Well, I saw you put them on. Yeah, but I left them at the house. He's always just taking his clothes off. And Julie, followed, that day she followed a trail of clothing, he, shoes, socks, pants, shirt, underwear, just right out to the He's just a nudist. And then I had one that saw uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Anybody know what movie that's it, that is? Sandlot. And he watched Sandlot probably, gosh, Julie, how many times a day? How many? Two or three times every day he watched the movie. I mean, for years. Not like a month. For years. And he thought he was Benny the Jet Rodriguez. And so he would wear a T-shirt. We had to get him a flannel shirt like Benny. And he would, he would run through the living room. He'd just go back and forth and slide. And he would, he would ask me every time, Dad, is my shirt flapping in the back like Benny's is flapping? <laughs> and he wore cleats, a T-shirt, a flannel shirt, and jeans for, I think, about two years. To church. To school, I mean, everywhere he went. So, you know, there's a process you have to go through to teach your kids how to dress right. One time, and he also, he got enamored by these two, um, these uh, tape measures. He was just enamored that they would pop back. And so he took my two best and biggest tape measures. And so he'd be dressed like Benny in cleats, and he'd have these two tape measures in his pockets. <laughs> One day at church, a friend of mine said, hey, buddy, you keep carrying around those two tape measures, your pants are going to come down, all the girls are going to see your underwear. He looked at my friend and said, no, they're not. And he said, why not? He said, 
because I don't have on any underwear. <laughs> He's like five years old. But thank God they grow up and they wear underwear, I hope. And they don't dress in cleats and, you know, still carrying around two tape measures in their front pockets. You know, it's a process of teaching them how to dress and how to do this and how to do that. And God wants to take us through a process of how to be holy. And he don't expect you, when you first accept Jesus, to be, to be perfect. He, he's like, okay, we're going to start here now that you're born again on the inside. We're going to start here, and I'm going to teach you and take you through a process of how to, how to be holy, how to dress your life right, how to dress your life right. I'm not just talking about your clothing. I'm talking about how to dress your life right, how to, how to produce and, and walk separate from this world and turn your back on ungodliness and, and, and bad habits and start to do things that, that operate out of self-control. And Man, he goes on. Listen to what else he says here. This is so good. He said, for we continue to wait for the fulfillment of our hope and the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the anointed one. Otherwise, we're waiting for his return. So he said, as we continue to wait, we continue to go through this process of being holy, of, of turning our back on evil and doing what is right in God's eyes. Then he says this, he sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. Come on, say it. Freedom. Freedom. Man, he purchased our freedom. From what? From every lawless deed. He said, man, I paid a price to set you free. I purchased your freedom. You no longer have to be a slave to sin, to bad habits and bad attitudes. And it's not just always uh, uh, alcohol or drugs or sexual sin. It's just having a bad attitude or a negative attitude or, uh, you know, always being down and out or always being angry or frustrated. You know, God wants to change all that about us. He wants to beautify our life. And he says this, he says, um, I not only purchased you from every lawless deed, uh, but he said, and to purify for himself. He wants to make us holy. He wants to purify us. The word purification um, man, we think of that, I always think of water, but it means um, to be set apart. It means to remove contaminants, to filter out, to make pure, free from anything that debases, pollutes, or adulterates, or contaminates, free from foreign, extraneous, or objectionable elements, free from guilt and evil. He makes us clear and pure, holy. He said, I am giving you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the power that raised me from the dead to purify, to deliver you from evil, and purify your life. The Holy Spirit will be your filter. I said, the Holy Spirit will become your filter. You know, the first time I heard the Holy Spirit's voice being my filter, I, I've, I've talked about this before, it was the last party I went to, and I'll never forget, man, I was... I was trying to get away from all of that stuff and turn my back on it. And, man, I had not gone to anything like that or hung out with my old friends for probably about a year. And one night they missed me and called me and talked me into coming over. And I fell for that. And, man, I, and I just started drinking, you know, that night. And, man, I didn't get through my first beer. And I could hear it in my spirit. The Holy Spirit was my filter. And he kept saying, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. 
this is not you anymore. This is not who you are. You don't belong here. And he began to filter out the thoughts and attitudes and actions. And, and man, I ended up leaving that never to go back again. Never went back again. Ever again. And so the Holy Spirit's got to become your filter. And you have to learn to listen to the Spirit of God. And let me tell you something. The Spirit of God never says something that he, it, it's not in the Word. This is how people get really goofy. I've had people tell me some of the craziest stuff in the world. Um, I always tell the story of a lady that, I mean, she told me that it, God told her to divorce her husband because he wouldn't go with her in the mission field. And I, I said, where in the world does it say that in the Bible? And she, she would talk about, you know, those opposing you. And I'd say, do you oppose her working in the mission field? He said, no. He said, I don't oppose her. I said, do you know Jesus Christ? Your Lord? He said, I do know Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. He was a man of God. But she just wanted a divorce and was trying to justify it by trying to say, well, she's, he's stopping me from going to the mission field. It was just a justification to divorce him. And he'd been good to her. She just wasn't a good person. I said, she just wasn't. She wasn't a good person, and she just wanted out. And she thought she could make it look pretty by trying to say something about, you know what, she never went in the mission field, but she did leave him. But she never went in the mission field. Guys, see, you can't, you can't try to use Scripture or try to do things to justify sin. God will always expose it, and he never says anything that's not in the Word. The Holy Spirit will never lead you. I've had other people tell me crazy stuff, and I'm like, that's not in the Word. God never said that. Well, that's, that's what he's saying to me. I said, no, the Holy Spirit, your filter, your umpire, the one that's speaking on behalf of God inside of you will never tell you to do something in opposition to the Word because he is the Word. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's one. He never is in violation. He's never in division, never in strife. So never, ever say God's telling you to do something that's not already in the Bible. And not just one scripture. The Bible says by two or three witnesses establish a thing. And not, in, not by proof texting, which means to take a scripture and try to make it mean what you want it to mean, but by using 20-20 vision and taking things in the context in which they were written. And understanding that context. 2020 is 20 scriptures above and 20 scriptures below. We need to have some discernment in the word and what the spirit of God is speaking. And he'll always confirm his word to you. Uh, he'll always confirm what he's saying to you with the word. Always. Always give you scripture and verse on it. And if you'll train yourself to live like that. I mean, after a while when the Holy Spirit starts to direct you, he'll just start giving you the scriptures. He'll just start giving you scriptures. You know what scriptures he'll give you? The ones you know. A lot of times people don't know the direction to go because they don't know the scripture. This is our map of how to live, how to be holy, how to be separated, how to live a life that's, that's uh, 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 godly, a godly life. And so this is our map. And if you don't know it, it's hard for the Holy Spirit to give you directions. Let me say it again. It's hard for the Holy Spirit to give you directions if you won't read the map. Romans 12, 2 says, when you renew your mind, then you'll know God's perfect will for your life and his perfect will, like things he's doing corporately, like all over the world. He said, you'll know both, but you have to renew your mind with the word of God. 
He said, that's how I'll lead you. That's how I'll guide you. That's how I'll direct you. So a lot of people aren't living out God's will because they don't know God's word. And he's, he's trying to, he's like, man, if you'll read my word, then I'll direct you. If you won't miss church, I'll direct you because you'll even hear scriptures that maybe you've not thought of or heard, but that's the answer that you need. You're still yielding to my word. Come on now. Gosh, it got quiet. But a lot of times we don't know his will because we don't know his word. And the Bible says to study to show yourself approved. If I was to give you a treasure map and I said you have to memorize it before you go find it, you can't take the map with you, but at the end of this is going to be the greatest treasure you've ever found. I would hope, I would hope you'd get busy memorizing that thing, that you know every, every word in it, every description. You'd memorize every word. You'd study it so that you could find the treasure. God leads through his word and his spirit, and they're one. I said they're one. And so we have to study the word and get into this Bible to know the direction in which God wants to take us. So many people are like, what's God want me to do? What's God want me to do? Read the word. He said, if you renew your mind with the word of God, he'll direct you and show you exactly what you're called to do. And he'll show you even a bigger picture of what's going on all around you. He said his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light, like a big light unto our path. Once you learn to walk in his word daily, then he'll shine a light out into your future. He'll start showing you future things. This is all about being set apart. This is all about being holy. Because when we walk in the holiness of God and we begin to allow his grace, his power, his word to, to filter our minds and our hearts, we'll turn our back on ungodliness. We'll cut it off at the root and stop the habits. The fruit will die. When you kill something at the root, all the fruit dies. And then we'll begin to operate in self-control and we'll begin to do the things that God's called us to do. He doesn't want to control us all our lives. I don't want to feed, clothe, and change diapers on my 20-year-old my son like I did when he was a baby. I have an expectation that he would grow up and start to do those things for himself. And by the time I got to the fifth one, I'm like, hurry up. I'm tired of changing poo-poo diapers, man. This is bad. You know, and so, but guys, there's, a, there's an expectation that God has on us for us to grow up. There's an expectation. And if you've been stuck in the same spot and you're like, man, God, what do I do here? And, what I, and you're not hearing, man, you just need to get into the word. This is God's wake-up call. Listen, I want to set you apart. I want to purify your life. So just, man, get into my word. And as you renew your mind, it, it renews your attitudes and, 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 and brings out the best in your personality and starts to do away with the worst parts of your personality. And you start playing to your strengths instead of your weaknesses. Man, God will start. He'll just take you step by step to where he wants you to be. And when you learn to do that, I'm telling you, it is so cool when he shines a light and you get to see something in the future. That is super cool. I mean, it's really cool. Because then it's like, when that happens, I, I, I've told the story that I was driving through Amarillo back to Tulsa one time, and I was praying. I said, God, I wouldn't mind living in Amarillo, Julie and I, because then we'd be in between my family and her family. And he said, how about Lubbock? I said, I like Lubbock even better. Sorry for the people in Amarillo. I just like... Lubbock better. And I, I said, I like Lubbock even better. He said, he said, uh, 
Or he said, how about Lubbock? And I said, I like Lubbock even better. He said, you'll be moving to Lubbock. Years go by. I get a call from my boss. I was working in the, in the, the secular realm. And he said, hey, man, I got a promotion open for you. And he started naming Austin, Dallas. I'm like, no, no, no. He said, man, I've got one more, but every time I mention this one, everybody laughs because it's so ugly there, no one wants to move there. I said, where's that? He said, Lubbock. I said, I'll move to Lubbock. And he said, really? Do you know what it looks like there? I said, I grew up about 92 miles from there. I know exactly what Lubbock looks like, and I like Lubbock, Texas. So if you're going to promote me, I want to move there. And he said, well, okay, no one else wanted to do it. I, I guarantee you that's your job. I said, well, if no one else wanted to do it, then I want double the raise. No joke. And he laughed and said, Smotherman, you cracked me up. I said, well, if no one else wants to do it, and I want to do it. But I, I took it immediately. I, didn't, I called Julie afterwards because I'd already told her. I said, I took it immediately. Why? Because God had just, just in a moment, just driving down the road, had shined a light into my future and told me Julie and I would be living in Lubbock. See, man, when you learn to walk daily... This is why it's so important to learn how to be holy, how to be separate, how to, and allow him to purify your life. Because when you learn to do that, God said, faithful with the little, ruler over much. He'll start, when you're faithful to live that way every day, then he'll start showing you much. He'll shine a light onto your future, and it's so cool when that happens and when it comes to pass. I took that immediately, and guess what? By the time it was all said and done, I got double. Everybody else, I got double than everybody else. Because no one else wanted to go there. But God had already told me to go there. And I, I, I like our country. You know, everybody, I, most, a lot of people that were from Tulsa in that area, it's all green and humid. I like dry. I'll take brown. Because you ain't brown, you ain't down, right? And so I'll take brown and, and I'll, take, I'll take our elevation and I'll take, I'll take the fields and I'll take the, uh, the, the antelope and I'll take, I'll take this area. I think it's beautiful. I'll take our big blue sky over the hot, humid green any day of the week. Some of you are like, no, I wouldn't, but I, I'm a dry heat guy. And so anyway, man, God set us up for victory because when we moved there is when he opened the door for ministry and that's how I got here. See, that's how God operates. When you, when you learn to, uh, when you learn to obey and live each day, each day, and you learn to turn your back on godliness and indulgent, selfish things, and you learn to be self-controlled and live upright and godly lives in this present age, my goodness, he'll begin to show you things. Then he says this. He said, uh, he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, passionate. Everybody say passionate. Passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. He takes your ugly life and he'll, he'll make it beautiful in so many great ways. I lived an ugly life and man, in so many unbelievable ways, my life is beautiful. Way beyond the ugliness that I lived. And he wants to make your life beautiful. But there's a process you have to be willing to go through, and you have to have a passion. You have to have a passion to know God, a passion to read his word, a passion to serve him, a passion to live for him. You know, God gives us, the reason I have, you can have a passion is because, it's because he gives you a purpose that's bigger than you. You know, I kill ants in my yard quite often. I have 
couple acres and they, they you know I'm around a bunch of fields so they move in my yard all the time and how you kill ants is you spread some poison around they carry it to the queen and the queen dies guess what dies with the queen all the other ants why because they lose their purpose their purpose was to serve the queen and so I'll go out there and I'll see after I put that poison down uh, a couple of days later all those ants will be moving kind of walking in a circle it's kind of sad but it's necessary and so <laughs> But they'll be, they'll all, they're walking really slow. They walk really slow, and they're kind of walking. If you'll watch them, they're, they're like, they don't know what they're doing. Before that, when the queen was alive, you know, they got those trails. They're, they're, they're marching back and forth, carrying stuff. I mean, it's, it's really cool to watch how diligent they are. And God says to watch the ant. They're really diligent. And so they can teach us some life lessons. But without purpose, this is one of the life lessons he wants to teach us through the ant. When they lose their purpose, they lose their life. And the reason so many people are miserable Mentally ill, depressed, down and out is because they don't have a real purpose that's bigger than them. And when you don't have a purpose that's bigger than you, your life starts to fade. That's why alcohol and drugs and sexual sin and all that stuff never satisfies. That's why it's a deep, dark hole that you just keep falling down into. And it never is. There's no bottom to it because there's nothing that satisfies because that's not a real purpose. I said, that's not a real purpose. That's, that's, a, that's a low-level purpose that never transcends anything. It doesn't breathe any life into you. But when you start serving God and realize your purpose is to advance his kingdom, realize his purpose, your purpose is to love him and love others as you love yourself, but you let God, he pours his love inside of us, that same grace that he's talking about that saves us and empowers us and purifies us and becomes our filter is the same grace that he pours his love inside of us. He teaches us how to love him with all our heart strength soul and mind he teaches us how to love ourselves and he said the best thing you can do it's not the self-love of the world it's the agape the giving love of our the kingdom of heaven that when we find real life by giving our life away not claiming our life that's how you find real life is by giving it away and those that are selfish and cling to it they're constantly losing life but when you live for a higher purpose than yourself, and what's amazing, if people like Josh just taught us that if you'll just let go and let God do it, and you'll say, God, I'm going to put your kingdom first as a mom, a husband, a wife, a dad, a friend, a worker. I'm going to put your kingdom first, and I'm going to trust you to add to me what I really need. Man, you'd be shocked the beautiful life that you get to live and the blessings that will come to you. But if you hang on to that selfish life, you're going to lose it. You're never going to have good relationships. You'll never have a good marriage. Never. I mean never. You'll never raise children that love God because marriage is supposed to be a reflection of, of Jesus' love for the church and the church's love for him and respect for him. So marriage should be a reflection that a man lays down his life as Christ laid down his life and a woman respects the man. And that's supposed to be a reflection of the body of Christ. And when kids don't see that, they don't like church. They need to see it at home first. They see women respecting and honoring and they see men laying down their lives for the love of their wife and their children. Come on now. Then your children will love God and love church. And yet, you know what? If your spouse won't do it, you do it. You do it. If you're single mom, single dad, you do it. 
You set the example of how this is supposed to operate. So they'll see some honor. They'll see some goodness in it. And God said, our lives will be beautiful in his eyes. Then he says this, so preach these truths and exhort others to follow them. Exhort means to encourage. He said, preach these truths, the truths of his word, and encourage them to follow the truth. He goes on to say, be willing to expose sin. You know, when you start exposing sin, man, people will not like you. They will not like you. Well, I take that back. Some people will love you, and some people will hate you. God said we're an aroma of life to some, and we're a fragrance of death to others. That some will hate your guts for talking about the sin. Some will love you because they know that Jesus is trying to save their life. Some will love you. Some will hate you. When you expose sin. He said, be willing to expose, be willing to. It's a choice. Be willing to expose sin in order to bring correction with full authority. Guys, the authority in which I expose sin is not by my own authority. It's the authority that God has given me. And he trusts me with it because when he exposes sin in my own life, he knows I'm faithful to repent and get it right. And that's the only reason he would ever use me. Not because I'm perfect by any means. But because he knows when he deals with me, man, I'm, I'm seeking God. I want a better attitude. I want, I want to control my anger better. I want to, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm constantly allowing him to judge me. So he's given me full authority to not judge you, but to expose sin. And he's given you full authority, too, to expose sin. But first, you have to allow him to expose sin in your life. When you do that, he'll give you authority to expose sin. doesn't mean to judge people. It means to expose sin. There's a difference. God judges. His word judges. People say, how dare you judge me? I'm not judging you. God's word is judged. The judge of all, the God of the universe, the judge of everyone is judging you by his word. And it's not complicated. It's not subject to interpretation. It's simple. It's plain. It's, it's perfect. And so he says this. Listen to this. He says, expose sin in order to bring correction with full authority without being intimidated by anyone, without being intimidated by anyone. He doesn't want us to be intimidated. In the day of social media, where everybody has a voice and a criticism and an opinion, I mean, it's easily, people get easily intimidated when they stand up for the things of God. When they stand up for the things of God. I remember, okay, and Cox is sitting over here when he was a senior in high school. He stood up for something, and man, he got blasted by everybody. On social media, at school, people shunned him that had before been his friends because he stood up to something that was evil at the high school. And I, I thank God, Caden stood, he stood tall. Of course, Caden's a pretty big dude. He, he'll whoop some butt, so they didn't challenge him too much. He's like, that's right. And so, but he stood and he said, I'm not yielding to that. I'm not falling for that. And it was ugly. You know, when you stand up for the things of God and you expose sin, some people are going to love you, some people are going to hate you. But you've got to be willing to take it. You know what amazes me? we got Christians around the world getting decapitated, imprisoned, tortured, and abused. And American Christians can't take some social media hate. My gosh, come on, folks. Come on. We got to be able to stand up and say, you know what? I, I'm going to I'm going to talk about these things and I'm going to deal with these things in my own life. I'm not going to be a hypocrite about it. 
But you know what? I don't have a problem exposing sin and allowing God to, to, to try to help and correct people and save their life. Because if they don't hear it, they won't know. You know, some people don't even know. I didn't know how much sin I was in. I had no idea. I had a lifestyle of sin and a lot of things I saw the, the, the men in my life all doing and I thought this was just how you live as a man. I just thought this is what men do. They drink, they smoke, they do this, they do that. And, and I thought this is just how you live. I needed someone to tell me. I needed God to use somebody to tell me what the word said so I knew what sin was. And I didn't take it as a negative. I took it as something good. I needed that correction so I could, so I could live a beautiful life in his eyes. That I could live a life worth having and giving away. That I could really have a life that wasn't destroying other people, but that I could live a life trying to bless other people. That's what he wants for each one of us. That's what he wants for each one of us. Don't be intimidated by this world. In love, tell the truth and encourage people. I want to encourage you if you're living in sin. I want to encourage you. I'm not here to beat you down. Jesus wants to save you from it. He'll empower you to overcome it. He'll remove your fears. Man, so many people walk in fear of that if I give this up, I, I don't know who I'll be or what I'll be. I'll tell you who you're going to be. You're going to be who God created you to be, not who Satan is, the direction Satan's leading you. You'll, you'll become who God created you to be, and you'll see things and experience blessings in things that gifts and talents you never even thought you had. I never thought I was going to be a preacher. Golly. I wasn't even a thought in my head. I didn't know God would call me to do this. But I'm glad he did. So many of you are living a life that you know you didn't deserve. But he gave it to you. Because you chose to say, God, I want to be holy the way you're holy. I'm going to, I'm going to submit to your correction. Not only your correction, but also your leadership. So I say no to, the, no to evil and I say yes to you. Because I want, a, I want a life worth having. I want a life that's got a purpose to it, that is real life, that gives me a passion to live it. Wakes me up in the morning. Keeps me going. Listen, every eye closed in this room. Online as well. Yeah, I don't know if, you, if you're watching this live, great. I'm glad you're there. But even if you're watching this later in the week or some other time, don't think that this is not for you if you're not right for God. God knows the perfect timing to begin to speak to you. And He loves us and He, he wants us to be right with Him. He wants to help you walk through this purification. He wants His Spirit and His Word to be your filter. You won't have a life that's trouble-free, but even in trouble, there'll be beauty in it because He'll help you overcome it. He'll heal you. He'll help you. He'll teach you. He'll grow you. There'll always be some beauty out of it. 
He takes ashes and turns it to something beautiful. He takes weeping at night to joy in the morning. But it's a choice you make. You have a choice to make right now. Do you want to be right with God? Do you want to live in the world and the ungodliness and self-indulgence? Man, you already know if you've lived any time in that world. Man, it's empty. you got to have more and more and more of everything out there, and it never satisfies. It's going to eat you alive. I'm speaking to some young people right now. You're starting to indulge, maybe smoking marijuana, doing this, doing that. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now, that's an empty, dark hole, and it'll never be enough. It'll ne- there won't be enough dope. There won't be enough of this and enough of that. And you're, you're setting yourself up for a broken life and a broken heart. God's giving you an opportunity to turn that around right now, to say no to those things and say yes to the things of God. Instead of walking in the curse, walking in the blood. Instead of walking in darkness, walking in the light. Instead of practicing bad habits, practicing good ones. God will empower you to do it. There's some watching online in here, you've never prayed. First prayer I ever prayed was this prayer. To surrender my life to Jesus because I I didn't like the way it was going. I knew it was empty. Maybe this is your first prayer. It's a great day. Seize the moment. Seize the moment. Give your life to Jesus as he gave his life for you. Watch what he does with it. Maybe you've broken fellowship with God and you need to come home. Either one of those, God, he said, all heaven celebrates when that happens. It's only two times all heaven celebrates. When someone prays for the first time and when someone comes home. So if you're watching online and you want to pray and get right with God today, send us a message saying, hey, I prayed for the first time. I prayed for the next time. If you're in this room and you want to pray and get right with God before you leave here, I'm going to count to three. Just lift your hand up and put it down. Put it up high. Put it down quickly and just acknowledge, hey, I need to get right with God. Then right where you're, you're seated, we're going to pray. Right online where you're at, we're going to pray. We're all going to pray together. No strings attached to it. This is between you and God right here. And so online, send us that message here right now. One, get ready. Just raise your hand up high and then put it down and say, it's me. Two, three, raise your hand up. So I'm going to get right with God before I leave here. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room. Thank you. Wow, all over this room. Let's all pray together and pray with all these that raise their hand. Say this. Say, God. Say it online too. Say, God. I believe you are God and God alone. But you created me to serve you, to be blessed by you, and to be a blessing. You created me.
to live a beautiful life in your eyes. I believe that. And I believe that because you love me, you sent Jesus and he died for my sins. His holy blood for my sinful blood. And that you raised him from the dead and he's alive. You did all of that to save me, to rescue me from the worst part of myself and to give me your Holy Spirit to teach me why I was created. My purpose, your cause. And because I believe that, I ask you that you forgive me of all the times I've sinned against you. And I receive your forgiveness, your full pardon right now. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. From this day onward, my life is yours. And your life is mine. And I receive the Holy Spirit, my purifier, my leader, my comforter, my director, your spirit that teaches me how to live life and life to the full. Until I see you in heaven, thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate the goodness of God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.